0: I was once part of a team that designed Christmas crackers for the Queen.
1: Hey, how are you doing? I'm Steve Fallon. Thanks for downloading. This time, what it's like being freelance for illustrator Jessica Morgan.
0: You need to build up a reputation first. You can't just go in with a high rate and say, hi, I'm here, without proving yourself first. Being confident in what you've delivered to them and persevering, because that's money that you're owed that's from a job that you've delivered so you've just got to be really quite forceful just do it because you'll always wonder if it would have worked out otherwise don't be scared take the plunge and see see what happens
1: so it's the Wales we go this week and to illustration with Jessica Morgan, the Jessica behind Jessica Draws, the company she set up after her freelance career had success. We'll talk about that in a moment. But don't forget, as you listen, if you pick up on something you'd like to find out more about, do check out the show notes at beingfreelance.com. Links to the things uh, where links are applicable and otherwise just some of the key takeaway points that we talk about. Also, if you know a freelancer who would benefit from this podcast, please do share it with them because, uh, you know, spread the love. Anyway, let's crack on and talk to Jessica. Jessica, thanks for joining us. No problem. So how did you get into being freelance where you are today? Start. Let's start there.
0: Um, it was a pretty organic um, journey, really. I didn't really plan on becoming a freelancer at all. I always wanted to work in agencies. But um, I think it was my third job in after leaving university, and I kind of thought, there's nowhere really to go <laughs> unless you move to London and you work for one of the top agencies. It, I stagnated slightly, and I'm one of those people that gets bored quite easily. Um, so I started doing some freelance on the side while working for some of my employers. Don't tell them. Shh, they, <laughs> they don't know. Um and that I just did it for a bit of fun really to get some different projects going because I worked for a company that um designed Christmas wrapping paper initially and so it was Christmas all day every day for two years, so that kind Oof. of got a bit old, yeah. So there was never really anything else to do there. And then I worked for an app company and that was quite restricting in that it was all um, you know, very specific, everything had to be very Um, a specific size and it was quite restricted creatively so my freelancing on the side helped me get a bit of that creative frustration outlet and then that built up and up and up until I found that actually I was working all the time in my free time and actually didn't have the time to have a full-time job anymore so that was quite a nice feeling and then I just decided to take the plunge one day and it's it worked out quite, quite well. So I'm lucky.
1: So how did you go about finding those additional clients where, where you started off and you know, en- enough to take the leap?
0: Uh, initially, it was sites like people per hour. So I was taking um, whatever I could get, really. Whoever wanted to hire me, I would take on. Any job they would give, you know, even if it was for a fiver for half an hour, you know, just to build up a bit of a reputation and build up um, a client base. Because I found that once they've used used you and they know that you can deliver what they want and you know that they'll you'll do it on time, more often than not they'll come back. So that was that was the start of it, and then they come back. They came back for more, and they recommended me to other people. And then it sort of built from there, really, as well as um, word of mouth from friends and family, people they knew. So it was just about spreading the word that I was available for work and, and doing a good job and making sure that they came back for seconds, really.
1: Yeah. So how and did you have like a strategy in place? Like, would you follow up deliberately to them or would you just wait for them to come back?
0: Yeah, it was a bit of a pain with that, <laughs> because if people didn't answer, I did make it make it my mission to to talk to talk to them and find out if they didn't want to hire me to find out why they didn't so that I could do something differently in the long run but yes I did persevere and I did phone a lot of people and I did um, follow up with emails and phone calls and stuff but it was definitely worth it because if you wear them down enough they end up (laughs) hiring you (laughs) just to get you off their back, which that kind of worked for me. And then obviously you've got a chance then to prove your worth, and then you do, and then hopefully they come back. But it's definitely, yeah, definitely it was all about pestering and getting in front of as many people as I possibly could, either over the phone or at networking events and stuff. So, yeah, it was about being everywhere.
1: Wow, good on you. Well, it's interesting, actually, because you mentioned people per hour, and like I think sites like that and Elance, especially when you start out, you, you're never going to get work unless you kind of, drop your prices and yeah. build up a reputation at first. But once you've got it, you, it's much more realistic.
0: Exactly. And I think that's that's a, a, a common question now from freelancers that are starting and they don't want to go straight in on lower prices and get the work. And I'm trying to explain you need to build up a reputation first. You can't just go in with you know a high rate and say, hi, I'm here without proving yourself first. And I think it's really important to not not think you're more than you are right at the beginning and take as much as as people will give give you to build up that reputation. Once you've got that reputation, I think, then you've got more of a a scope to, you know, to say, well, I I need to charge a bit more now because this is my job. But everyone's got to start somewhere, and I think that's a really good place to start.
1: Yeah, and you mustn't, like, just because those people are paying less, you mustn't resent them and, like, not give them your best service kind of thing? Definitely
0: not, definitely not. I think it's... Sometimes a bit of a weird culture now where, oh, well, I'm not being paid that that much, so I'm just going to do half a job. And I think they're missing a trick there because if you do a really good job, they're going to come back to you. And also, if you do a really good job and next time you say, well, actually, I'm a little, I'm a few quid more expensive now than I was before, they're not going to mind because they know that you're going to deliver something good and you're going to deliver something on time. So you still got to do the best that you can.
1: So did you also then find real, I think you mentioned networking, did did you specifically go out and have success like finding real life clients rather than these online ones?
0: Yeah, it was, um, it's quite nice, because where I am in Cardiff is quite a small, small city anyway, and a lot of designers know each other, and there's lots of agencies and creative companies. So it's quite easy to meet people in these networking events. So it was, again, just about getting in front of as many people as you possibly can, and it has worked, and it's more about building sort of a friendship and reputation with the people that you work with in the city so that it's more a case of, you know, you'll get a phone call and say, oh, one of my freelanc- one of my designers is off ill for a month. Are you free for a-, a bit of work? Rather than trying to, like, pitch for jobs, it's about building a reputation and being mates, really, and being reliable
1: how did you go about building your portfolio up and displaying it for that matter?
0: Displaying is always difficult because I think when I was doing it, it was sort of in a transition between when you had to have these beautiful printed massive A1 portfolios that you went around showing people and it's, it's not about that anymore. I think it's, um, you know, I did, did show people examples of what I'm doing, but it was much more refined because you can't just show people everything that you've done ever. So it's about... Figuring out who you're talking to, what kind of company they, they are, what kind of work they might want from you, and then showing them bits and pieces that are appropriate rather than shoving a gigantic portfolio in their face. Um, and again, I think a lot of it is actually reputation rather than shoving you know loads of work under people's noses. I think if they're aware of you and they've got you know a good reference from somebody else, I think that that says a bit more than, than you know a massive A1 portfolio in front of them.
1: Yeah, so being selective in what you're kind of suggesting to people, going to people with ideas. So how did you end up be being at that sort of freelance stage, doing online stuff and whatever? Into because um, you're like a limited company, like you you have yeah. uh, somebody that you work with. It's not just you anymore. How did that come about?
0: It came about just because it gets to the point where you realise you've got a bit more work that you than you can handle, which is always a nice nice place to be in. But then you kind of have to, I had to make a decision, do I want to be a company where I end up hiring loads of people and losing touch with actually designing and creating or do I want to stay small and still be at the the forefront of what I do and I think that it's always been really important to me to do what I'm good at and I think that if I try to make something bigger I'm going to lose touch with that and I'm going to have to fall back into an admin managerial role so I'm staying quite small um and it just means that I can be selective with what jobs I take on which is also quite nice I don't have to panic about having to pay for people's wages I can take on things that I like doing and also um Uh, Yeah, and and having those relationships with clients I've already got, and they they keep coming back for more work. So I don't feel that I need to do anything gigantic with with the business at the moment. It's rolling on quite nicely. I'm designing, I'm creating, and I don't think that I'd like to be a big boss man, if you see what I mean. (laughs)
1: Yeah, no, totally. Uh, it, it's good as well, isn't it? But you can, I mean, really, you can just take on other freelancers like yourself Yes, when yes. you need them.
0: Yeah, that's how I've developed really, because I know how hard it was for me to get freelance work at the very beginning. So I'm trying to help people who might want to be where I am in a few years, um, get some work. So if I've got too much work on, I've got three or four freelancers that I I shovel jobs to when when that job's appropriate to their skills, which is really good. And it builds up their portfolio and it means that they can be working on a job and I can be working on something else at the same time, which is really nice. But again, I don't have to worry about paying people full time wages and things. You know, it's just an ad hoc thing, which works
1: really well. So how have you um, because I think this is something that a lot of people struggle with and that's sort of like sorting out your pricing. Yeah. and and actually getting paid to, to 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 the things actually i think being like you, you mentioned people per hour that's quite a secure way of getting paid when you start off like the the real world's actually a lot worse
0: yes yeah which is why people per hour is definitely a good way to start because it gets you in the mindset of how you should be dealing with clients face-to-face as well um it has been difficult in the past to get money out of people especially when you finish finished a job and I found that the bigger the company the harder it is <laughs> to get things processed mm. but it's just about being confident in what you've delivered to them and persevering because that's money that you're owed that's from a job that you've delivered so you've just got to be really quite forceful and um follow up because you can't let these things slide because you know it'll happen to the next freelancer so I'm, I'm very um yeah I'm very firm on that thing yeah I need to be paid by this date or I won't be working for you again it sounds quite severe but it's just got to be done
1: Do you sort of out, like, uh, you know, some companies might say, oh, well, we pay after 30 days and it's it's, it's always on the last Thursday or whatever. And do you ever say, well, actually, no, I need to pay in 10 days? Or
0: Yes, I do set a um, payment terms of 12 days. And a lot of the time it does work and it's fine, especially with regular clients that I've built up good relationships with. Um, Newer clients, especially the bigger companies, will say, it's 30 days and that's the end of it. We can't do anything about it. It's got to go off to our finance department, which then I kind of don't have a choice about, but I just make sure that those dates are in a calendar. I've got a reminder set up. So if it's not sorted out and it hasn't arrived by the date that it should, then someone's going to get a phone call. (laughs) It's about being (laughs) organised.
1: Yeah. Do do you use any of the um, particular ways to deal with your finances?
0: Um, I use FreshBooks, um, which is a time tracker and accounting app, um, which is really good for... I mainly use it for the the time tracker because it's really good for me to know how long specifically I've spent on each task during a project because it helps me quote for another project later on if I can look back at something very similar. Uh And then it logs all my hours for the tasks and the projects. And then I can invoice from that account. And that's great for the client as well, because then they can see exactly what I've spent time on doing. So, for example, a a client last month really liked having Skype meetings in between doing the project. And that took up quite a bit of time. And I was trying to explain, you know, there's there's quicker ways of doing this. You need to we need to figure out a really decent brief right at the beginning, and then we don't have to have all these chat meetings in between doing this infographic. And once I sent the time, the invoice with all the time tracker, they could see how much time <laughs> I'd actually have to, had to charge them for chatting to me on Skype about not very much. So the next project, they're like, "Yeah, okay, we'll sort out the brief at the beginning." So it's quite <laughs> helpful. It's quite helpful in that sense to for everybody to know where they are, and also a, a really Really good way to break down your costs, so you can figure out how you can save money and and save time as well on the next project. So that's I couldn't live without that. That's um, a really important part.
1: I like that idea of being able to look back and see how long something has taken you, so that you can quote for the next job. That's a great idea. Yes, yes. Yeah, really um, does that mean that most of your stuff you do you charge per the hour?
0: Yes, yeah. Charge per hour. A lot. Sometimes um, clients will want a a set price. Um, but then I do kind. I do say that's fine. We can do a set price. But also the quite the the price I'm quoting for the estimate, it might actually be cheaper. So do you want me to <laughs> give you a set price, which is going to have to be more expensive to cover potential um, changes, or do you want do you want us to work by an estimated time frame, and it could end up cheaper for you? So it depends. It depends. Some people don't mind an estimate, and some people want a, a fixed price job. But you've just got to be adaptable, I guess, to, to clients and what they prefer.
1: Do you set like office hours and say, right, well, I'm only working here. You can't contact me out of that.
0: Yes, that's really important. I think to set office hours, because especially if you're a freelancer, and especially if you're working from home, your day could just go on and on and on and on. And you really need to set office time, not just because that's the way you should do it but because it's really important to have downtime otherwise you're just not going to be able to do your job properly so I do say I'm in the studio nine to five if I'm out for a meeting obviously I set my auto reply on my emails and things but from half past five I'm not here and I'm not going to be answering any phone calls so send me an email obviously sometimes a deadline will mean I'll have to work late into the night but if I've got phone calls going on as well, it means that's that time's going to be a lot less productive. So office hours are really important, I think, for your sanity, as well as as well as getting actual work done.
1: So that sounds like you definitely hang up when you go on holiday.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, yes, have to.
1: Do you tell people like in advance and say, I'm going, "Hey, don't burgle my house," but I'm not going to be around?
0: Yeah, no, definitely. I I give I try and give everybody around about the four or five months. Um, notice and saying I'm going to be away a lot of them forget so <laughs> you do get the odd email or phone call when you're away but you know it's all logged I have warned you that I'm away I can't do anything for this period of time um, sometimes I have been flexible for really really good clients that I've worked with a lot and, and done something very quickly while I've been abroad because I've always got my laptop with me for emergencies but it's I think it's really important. As long as you give people enough notice, they won't mind. Everyone's got to have a holiday, haven't they? So it's definitely worth it.
1: How have you... Uh, you, you said that you don't like getting bored, <laughs> or that you get easily bored. Uh, how have you sort of, like, um, kept yourself, uh, I guess, well, creatively satisfied and, like, maybe diversifying? I don't know, what it, whatever it might be.
0: Well, I'm quite lucky in that because I'm a freelancer every every day is different every job that i work on is is different so you know one day i could be doing an infographic about um like last week um packaging waste in the uk and the um environmental impact and i've got to do a bit of research behind that to know what kind of you know um, product i need to be designing which i learn a lot about and that's quite it's quite interesting to me to learn com- completely new things about new subjects every day and the next day I could be doing something, you know, quite childish for Folly Farm and drawing, you know, cartoon zebras and stuff. So it's quite nice because I can have some really serious subjects that I really need to dig into and look up and I can have some quite fun and um, non-thinking um, projects as well, which I think that really helps. And also I think... The board getting bored for me as well, what helps is I change up my environment quite a lot. So I was in a shared office for a while. I'm back home now because we've adopted a puppy and I, I like to change up my environment and where I work. If it's redecorating or moving furniture around just every couple of months just to feel a bit refreshed.
1: If you've got a puppy, the puppy will redecorate and yes. re- remove the furniture itself. There's yes. no worries. Yeah, it's been challenging. <laughs> but that's the beauty of it. You can have. You can just have a yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Who doesn't work in an office where you think this office would be a damn sight better if I had a dog? Yeah. <laughs> Especially if it was a dog that could make tea.
0: Exactly. It's, that would be nice. That would be nice.
1: I I remember you you sort of suddenly started doing this thing where you went out into the local community and sort of did speaking. Mm hmm now what what was behind that how did that come about and how was it for you
0: well i didn't actively go and seek it out (laughs) um i was asked to do um half hour talk to other freelancers and um, design students in in an event in cardiff which friend of mine started up called design stuff cardiff and it was the first event and it was He said it was going to be really informal, but when I got there, there was a whole stage and microphone set up and stuff. And I was like, oh no, I can't do it, I can't do it. But actually, I really enjoyed it because it was a bit of therapy for me to get some stuff off my chest about freelancing and how freelancers are treated and what you need to do to get yourself out there. And also, I got some quite good feedback, which was nice from from people who wanted to, to be freelancers and design students and things. So it was quite a nice outlet I guess to to be able to say what I thought and how you should be doing things if you like
1: are you thinking you know I quite like the idea of doing Morley speaking maybe uh, I don't know whether to bring in work or just just to get out there just to leave the house
0: yes yeah leave the house <laughs> that's always a good reason always um I do I did enjoy it but I think that there's I can only talk about what I know and at the moment what I know is what I've already talked about, which is my transition from working full time and into freelance. I think once I've been going for maybe another two, three years and, and something's been changed up again, maybe I'll change my mind and get some employees then, then I'll have a bit more to talk about. I think I've exhausted my, my range of subjects that I can, I can gabble at people at at the moment, but definitely be something I'll think
1: about doing again. Just, just a quick uh, thing, because obviously you're a very creative person is there anything that you think aids your creative process which possibly spans other uh, creative fields not just illustration for example is there something that you always do or
0: um i think that i always try and go back to the basics at least once a day at least try and have 10 minutes with Pencil and paper, <laughs> because you can get so immersed in like all this digital stuff and apps, and especially creating all the infographics that I do, you sometimes forget how to draw <laughs> with a pencil <laughs> and paper and how to you know. So I always try and have at least ten minutes a day of of doodling anything, and it's it's also about practice because I do think that being able to draw and and be creative, you you do have to practice at it. I think. And it's also a bit of, um, bit of, bit of an outlet as well, a bit of a, a break time um, event, I guess, just to to go away and like doodle some rubbish on on a piece of paper. And also, you never know what will come from it. Sometimes I've got characters from old sketchbooks that I've had, and I've gone, "Oh, that'll work for that product." So I think it's important to keep that up, especially if you're doing loads of digital stuff.
1: Do you ever set yourself like a challenge?
0: Yes, actually I started one today. I'm gonna do a 30 days of Disney so ah. every day I'm gonna draw a Disney character and um, post it onto my Instagram and, and Twitter and stuff and and Facebook just so I've got I have to do it then because I've told people <laughs> I'm going to do this every day for 30 days so that's quite quite a good motivator I think especially if you tell people and then you what have you, have you do it.
1: what have you started with?
0: I've got Dumbo
1: nice with dumbo
0: today yes yeah
1: sebastian the crab is he going to be in there
0: he will be in there i'm sure thanks somewhere. yes definitely
1: <laughs> uh you know you realize that if you really wanted a big hit you should show people how to draw for things from uh from frozen
0: yes that's a good one actually that's a very good good point yeah
1: show people how to you know if you want to make a snowman yeah. yeah show <laughs> them how
0: that's a good tip actually i'm writing that down as we speak
1: Put it on YouTube, it'll go nuts. Yes, good idea. Um, uh, and also, it'll make me look really cool to my kids if I could, <laughs> if I could copy what you did. Brilliant. Um, now, a few quick questions to finish with because I know we're starting to run out of time. Uh, is there any books or blogs or maybe podcasts that inspire you?
0: Um, not anything specific, really. I've got a lot of um, books to do with manga drawing, which I go back to a lot because um, that's quite a unique style that I'm trying to get into. But generally scouring the internet i follow a lot of illustrators on instagram and facebook and youtube videos finding because like you said the time-lapse videos of people drawing characters and stuff are fascinating there's loads of them on youtube and i always think that it's really good to see how other people work you know so nothing specific it's just about finding out finding what's out there i suppose
1: is there any apps you couldn't do without? You, I think you mentioned FreshBooks.
0: Yes, it's definitely FreshBooks. Um, Instagram is my amazing, and Pinterest amazing source of inspiration every day. And I think that that would be a major loss if I had to delete that from my phone. I think I'd have a bit of a freak <laughs> out, definitely.
1: Yeah, Pinterest must be a huge thing for visual designer type people. It is. Uh, how, how do you go about finding cool stuff? Do you find people to follow or...?
0: Yes, I'm I'm not I'm not too picky about who I follow. Usually I just just type in things like, you know, maybe yesterday I was typing in uh Disney character doodles and stuff. And I'm always looking for line pencil drawing examples because I really like seeing the original stuff before it's been painted and digitized cuz I just find that really fascinating. So usually I just type in hand drawn black and white doodles and see what happens.
1: Uh, all right, now, uh, I don't know whether this is going to work, but can you tell me three facts about yourself um, being freelance? Two true, one a lie, and I try and figure out what the lie is.
0: Okay, dokie. Um, I was once part of a team that designed um, Christmas crackers for the Queen that got delivered to the palace. <laughs> um, I've written and illustrated a children's book, which I'm waiting to be published, and I spent a week in San Francisco Going around and taking pictures of all the, the shop signs for a whole week and, and have them all on file.
1: Uh, they all sound very. Pl- I want the, the the Queen's Crackers to be true. <laughs> the. What was the. The design. So, design. What was the middle one?
0: Uh, design. Writing. Um, oh, children's book. In children's book. Yeah. What's it called? It's called Thumbelina, but it's got a, a bit of a darker take on it because I'm a bit of a fan of Tim Burton.
1: Mm. that i reckon that has to be true i think as an illustrator how could you not be tempted especially if you're spending your free time drawing disney characters mm. but very again you probably went to san francisco but you did christmas stuff maybe you've, uh, i don't think you did christmas crackers for the queen
0: is that what you're going with yeah that's true no
1: hey! yes
0: yeah christmas crackers is true um Shall i tell you which one isn't
1: yeah <laughs> yeah go on san francisco
0: no, the children's book isn't true. No way. Yeah, it is um, something that I really want to do, which is why I put it in there. But I haven't done it yet. No, that one's not true.
1: Um, yeah, I like your regular lie of them. It was such a oh yeah, I'm inspired by Tim Burton and I. Uh...
0: Oh, that one's true. That was <laughs> definitely true.
1: Uh, so, how does one go about designing a cracker for the Queen?
0: Uh, it's all about the. You do the de- design bit of sketches first, then we go digital and create. Um, repeatable patterns so they're like tiles that you can just tile across so they'll all go in and then we print them onto cracker shapes and assemble them and fill them with silver um lots of stuff like yeah it was silver hand mirrors and cigarette cases and things like that and it was always quite a challenge because they're so heavy so you had to make sure the crackers were really quite solid cardboard yeah. to be... But they were super posh and they had, like, flock on them and glitter and lots of bells and whistles and stuff. It was quite a fun job.
1: Wow. Mm. I'm kind of disappointed that the royals don't have that little plastic fish curling up in their hand. I know.
0: There. I said they think... They don't have the rubbish jokes either.
1: Which what? Like a bit and I, was,
0: I know. I know.
1: The, Prince Philip could write them for them.
0: What's the no, matter with them? Terrible, isn't it? Terrible.
1: Oh, they're missing out on a trick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's a great fact. Thank you very much. Um if uh if you could leave us with something um because you said you, you know you like to help out yeah y- upcoming freelancers it maybe it's something that you could have told yourself f- four years ago or whenever when you started out um what would it be
0: i think because i waited so long <laughs> to do it i think i would tell people that to just do it because you'll always wonder if it would have worked out otherwise and i think if i'd really push myself I would have done this a lot a lot sooner than I did so don't be scared take the plunge and see see what happens
1: yeah what held you back is it the financial thing the security thing
0: I think that that's what stops a lot of people yeah from doing it but I'm trying to (laughs) push people now and saying well no jobs really that secure anymore anywhere so you might as well take a chance and I think if you're organized enough and you're a planner and you're good at what you do. I, I don't think there's any reason why why it shouldn't work out. So,
1: Jessica, thank you so much for your time. No problem. Uh, you can find out all of the stuff that we talked about on beingfreelance.com. Show notes uh, are there and links through to uh, Jessica's stuff. And, uh, you know, catch the, the Disney characters that are still yet to come as well. Who are you looking forward to doing?
0: Um, I think I'm mostly, well, now you've said it, I'm going to try all the Frozen Characters. Olaf, I think that'll be my favourite one, definitely.
1: Yeah, yeah. Him and Sven.
0: Yes. Uh, that's on my list. I'm
1: writing them down. <laughs> for, 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 I, up until um, the end of December, I was the only parent in the playground who had no idea about Frozen. No I just didn't. my <laughs> wife had taken my son i knew i knew nothing but our little girl got it for christmas and it was boom
0: now you know every, all the songs off my heart
1: <laughs> every day yes, it's a bit of a fixer rapper. yeah and oh. you
0: know all of them i love
1: it <laughs> <laughs> i want those trolls as my they would be good to work with if you had to go back to work in an office environment get the trolls on board
0: definitely definitely
1: <laughs> jessica thanks so much um send our love to cardiff
0: will do thank
1: you take care bye This is she, Jessica Morgan of Jessica Draws. Uh, since recording that interview, actually, she's done quite a lot more than Dumbo in her Disney challenge. I won't say what they are, but if you like your animations, go take a look. Her Instagram is one of the many links that we've put in the show notes at beingfreelance.com. If you've enjoyed this, I hope you have. You've got this far after all. Maybe you've just fallen asleep and you've woken up because you've finally got to your stop. But anyway, uh, if you've enjoyed it, please perhaps give us a review. Go on, be a love. iTunes and Stitcher, we're on where you can review us. It helps us get found elsewhere so uh, really would appreciate that and of course spread the word if you know a fellow freelancer point them in our direction and join us on twitter at being freelance anyway until next time have a great week being freelance